0: Hi everybody, it's Jonah Pallone, and welcome to Owner Operated, conversations with small business millionaires. If you're interested in learning about the stories of American small business owners and why small business is great for our country, this is the podcast for you. In my role at Midstreet, helping people sell their companies throughout the Southeast, I've been fortunate enough to get a behind the scenes look at the lives and organizations of hundreds of business owners. I created Owner Operated to let you in behind the curtain. Follow me on this journey and subscribe to my newsletter at jonapallone.com. We're switching it up this episode and headed back to Main Street. This week, I spoke with Jeff Johnson, the owner of Power Mulch over in Smithfield, North Carolina. Jeff had a bunch of awesome stories about running and growing the company. We talked about stories from running the business, the operations of the company, and what it really means to own a small business. Enjoy. So, Jeff, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it, man. What's it like to be in the mulch business?
1: It's an experience that has its highs and lows, and busy times, and slow times, and crazy times. There's a lot of equipment running around. You know, things can always break. I mean, it's always in the back of my mind. I'm never situated at night until everybody's back home and the trucks are parked. And I mean, but all in all, it's fun. I love being outside, I love talking to people. Uh, You know, always trying to do good work. That's one of the things we push a lot is, you know, and repeat business. I mean, that saves us every year It's people coming back and getting used to a job that we've been there before. I mean, the second time usually always seems to go a little bit smoother. Definitely. Some of them we've been doing for almost 20 years now. I mean, we've got some customers going back to the beginning. But so it's just, that's one of my main things is repeat business.
0: You know, you know what I like the most. We're definitely going to get into that that kind of recurring revenue aspect. So, so just start off, Jeff. Just tell me your story. You know, how did you get into the business? Did you always know that you were going to be in the mulching business?
1: No, I had no idea. <laughs> it, it was actually my dad, and he had another partner, Eddie, started the business in two thousand three, and I came in about a month after they started, as bottom level as you could get, pulling a pulling a hose and running the truck a little bit and went from there to got my license to drive the truck. We need a commercial driver's license class B to drive these trucks around with the air brakes and the weight and went from there. they, They were growing the business, went from one truck to two trucks to three trucks. They bought another company, went to five trucks up in Charlotte I started a retention pond maintenance business and everything crashed. And I guess that was in 08, 09 in that area. And it was kind of a feast or famine after that for a little while, you know, wonder about getting paid, wonder if we were still going to have a job. I mean, the company had a fair amount of debt growing that fast, all the equipment they'd gotten. And, you know, I started seeing things getting sold off and sold a side business off and sold the other mulch company in Charlotte off. And, you know, I was wondering if I was really going to have a job and what I was going to do. I've been here, you know, at that point, close to 10 years. And the guy that mainly started, he was the primary owner. He was trying to get out. He took another job. He was coming in here less and less. And, uh, you know, he knew we were kind of interested, you know, but it's just scary. I mean he wanted a lot of money for the company, and it was more than we thought it was worth or were willing to get into and plus it has some debt but with him selling off some equipment and stuff, they got the debt back down to where we finally bought a company that was out of debt and was back down to two old trucks I mean our original two thousand three and another two thousand three was our third truck we bought it was used or a demo truck and so my dad and I continued to buy it from there and agreed on a price and was working on refitting the trucks from there the time they were old rebuilding everything closing up a bunch of hydraulic leaks and live floors on trucks and pumps and you know i thought used trucks were good we were paying them off slowly we we're getting knocked out and, but then at the same time there was just always issues with them and really figured out we needed to get a new truck and Finally, got things where we could handle it and bought a new truck and saw how much better that did. And mm-hmm. a couple of years later, we got another new truck and kind of that's where we're sitting now. We've got two of the newer 60 cubic yard trucks and we've kept one of the old 40 cubic yard trucks. We just did sell one this year, just wasn't really using it. And if you're not using it, it's breaking. It's breaking, yeah. And we keep we we don't run the other one a whole lot, but we do run it and keep it ready to go at all times. Because even the new ones, they have issues with them, and we want to have a you know backup so we can keep going. You know, it's not ideal. They're smaller. We've gotten used to the bigger jobs a lot of times, mm-hmm. and the guys seem to like the newer trucks, but. So really using that.
0: So let's back up just a little bit. So so Power Mulch, T- tell the audience a little bit, what do you guys do? What's kind of your bread and butter? What what are the different services you offer? And so obviously we're talking about trucks and, and, and hoses, but people might think different things when you say that, right? What, do
1: you, what right. kind of uh, business do you run? We run a, a mulch blowing company or we run blower trucks, which blow material from, I don't know, anywhere from 50 feet to we've gone six, 700 feet away from the truck. Wow. And we do residential houses, mulch around your house to DOT, big roadside projects. I think one of our biggest ones we did year to date was about 12,000 yards. And then do a lot of daycares, school system, playgrounds, refilling the mulch or, you know, starting fresh if they've got new playgrounds going in. We do, we get into some of the erosion control it doesn't seem like it's been as big for us as some companies. But compost seeding, spraying uh compost and seed mixed together and making lawns or grass out of it. And we've done some DOT projects again with that. I'm trying to think of what else we get into. But that, that's the, the big majority of it. I mean, it really is. We go down, we have a minimum of about twenty cubic yards. I mean, which is a third of our big truck, but it just seems getting much smaller than that. We haven't figured out how to price it. Right. And you know, a lot of it's just getting there. I mean, when you've got three guys on a truck and spending a bunch of diesel getting there and everything, it's just, we haven't quite figured it out. So we keep it at 20 yards.
0: So, Uh, so a couple of questions related to that. So you guys are based in Smithfield, right? What's your service area and how do you figure out what your service area is? At least right now.
1: Generally, for those small 20 cubic yard jobs, we're staying about an hour from the shop. Now, we've got special customers that do a lot of business with them, and I'm not saying we won't go further for them, but generally, you know, and if you get into a full truck, probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours, if we can figure out the right pricing for it. And then for commercial jobs, I mean, we go as far as about Charlotte to about the coast and about the virginia border and the south carolina border you know we'll move our mulch on site at that point where we'll be reloading on site or close by to where we can run back and forth and not have a travel time of three four hours getting the mulch getting back there yeah
0: so talk to me about the actual business itself so you guys basically you spread mulch in all these different kind of use cases how does walk me from getting the mulch to actually delivering it to the customer? So you, you guys have the customer. So do you guys have, you know, relationships with suppliers that you frequently use for the mulch and, and how does that work? Do you kind of, do you bid on prices or do you just have kind of go-to suppliers that you use?
1: We do bid some of the material, mainly for the larger jobs. Again, the state, we try to get somebody, I mean, we need some big suppliers. I mean, we're not going to your local malt shards. A lot of times there's yeah. nothing against them. I mean, that's another part of our business. We have a little malt shard, but we're trying to get wholesale pricing. I mean, obviously, I mean, to make it you know better for us and depending on where we're at, we go a lot of times to the supplier to pick up because the freight spends so much and we feel like we can save some on that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times too, we'll load out of our own mulch yard. We'll get it delivered here and then load out so the truck can be ready to go when they get here in the morning.
0: And so these trucks that you have, so how does it, practically how does it work? So you get the mulch delivered to your site, right? And then the truck comes or the truck's already there. How do you load the mulch in and get it out and then get it to the customer?
1: If we're, say we're loading on our own mulch yard, we have uh, loaders and we've, these trucks are tall. They're around 14 feet. So most of your little bobcats and stuff can't really get there. I mean, some get really close and you can use build a ramp or we have a ramp at our yard. But we've gone into these small little uh, lulls, some people call them or telehandlers, another name for them. It's still a smaller unit that we can throw on a trailer if we're going out of town that we can bring with us instead of you know, getting a tractor trailer because much bigger than that, you need a tractor trailer just to move the, move the machine. And then, you know, we're using about a two to three yard bucket to fill our truck, where most of our suppliers, if we go there, they're using a five to 10 cubic yard bucket. It gets a lot faster filling it up. You know, but sometimes we may travel an hour, hour and a half just to go pick up the mulch before we can even go to the job and install it there. Once we get to the job, they load it from the top of the truck. It's got a type of live floor in the truck that a lot of the walking floor trailers have that we get delivered. These floors kind of slip underneath the mulch in sections and then work together to push it to the back of the truck Hmm. where it's broke up by tines and augers that drill it into a feed wheel that's spinning around. And we can control this feed wheel to set our speed. And that's kind of how we meter it. And between that and there's a blower on the truck as well, very high power, obviously, that. We can control the airflow as well that's pushing the the mulch from the feed wheel that drops it into the air system and pushes it out to the hose from there. And the guys have a remote control on the side of them where they can pause the truck, increase the blower, increase the feeder, a couple other functions, rev up and down the truck. The truck's at a high rev when we're running it. And that's the main gist of it. I mean, a, a lot of visual helps seeing that more than anything else.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's super interesting. I've always wondered how that like practically works in the truck itself. So when you were in high school, right? So you were in high school, were you working in the business? What, what time did you sort of join up? It was the company started in 2003, right? Correct. So when And you-
1: uh, there's a thing there too. We started as Power Mulch Systems. When we bought the company later, we changed the name for tax reasons, mainly right. and to Power Mulch Incorporated, try to keep the main name because our name was part of it. Got it. But back to high school, I mean, I'd gotten into landscaping. I've kind of always stayed around my dad. I've enjoyed working with my dad. We get along for the most part, <laughs> very well. The landscaping he didn't really have any part of. I was doing some of that and picking up some side jobs. I'd gone to community college for a little while. I just I was really not a big fan of school. Not in high school. Not in community college. And I just I couldn't get it down. Yeah. And I kind of just figured I was going to have to work for a living and figure it out but i came on i'm 40 now i probably came on when i was about 20 and because i remember get turning 21 starting to be able to drink and all this and, <laughs> you know i said i was young back then i mean but i had to make a choice if i was gonna make this career or not and that's kind of what i did and it's just kind of gone from there
0: was when you were when you made the decision did you ever i mean you know smithfield's obviously a different town than say raleigh for example but Were you ever worried that your peers would judge you for not going to college?
1: Partly some. I mean, I was going to visit people at school, but I mean, these are friends I've known since the beginning of high school, pretty much when we moved back here. My dad was in the military. I moved all around when I was young, but I knew some of them from a visit. And then through high school, I became really good friends with some of these people. They're some of my only, or not only, but my best friends today. I mean, the ones from high school are the ones I can always truly trust and talk to and stuff like that. And of course, there's been some, you know, I don't talk to anymore in high school. I mean, sure, a circle of friends has gotten real small these days. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's what happens, and right? It is. Got it. Okay. But school.
1: no, I mean, not judging so much. I mean, I said these yeah. were close friends. The other ones, you know, I really don't care what they think anyway. I mean, some that's I've that. done better than and some I haven't. I mean, I've seen some take off, make a million dollars a year and. You know, others I've seen going to college not making fifty thousand a year. I mean Yeah.
0: That's interesting. So when you were transitioning into the business, so you've been with the business for twenty years, but you didn't you weren't managing the company for twenty years. You started doing the actual labor, right? You know, actually right. holding the hoses and stuff. Yeah, so, so so what was that transition like?
1: It was kind of gradual. I you know, I I got my license. I was running a truck. I mean, they'd throw me on a job site back then, the DOT, we were doing a ton of work from them. I mean, you know, we went from, we were doing, we had about half the state in their annual mulch contracts and that was one of our core businesses. I guess why we grew so much. And, but as the things started getting bigger and stuff, you know, I started getting off the truck more and, you know, from there, the guys, they they just started coming to me with their issues instead of getting to the You know, I, I saw some tough times in those '08 and 09 that really scared me. There was, you know, the old owner, you know, nothing against him. This was his money at the time. There was times we, we didn't get paid on time. And you're just wondering and people are asking me about it. And I'm just, you know, I didn't have a good answer to him. I mean, I'm in the same boat y'all are. I mean, I didn't get my paycheck this week either. Wow. And it was only a couple of days, but that doesn't ever make anybody feel good. No. So, and I did take that to heart. And, you know, that they get paid first before even my suppliers. I mean, my suppliers are very important to me as well, but my guys get paid first, then my suppliers, then we go down the line. Mm -hmm. And I'll say from working through that recession and stuff, I mean, it's hard making big moves because you never want to make the wrong move. You know, just always want to pay your bills and, you know, have good credit to get more stuff when you're ready for it. You know, I was just, I was always watching that and I'm still watching that to this day. I mean, I don't have a backup plan. If it doesn't work, it's, I'm done myself. Yeah. I mean, I really am.
0: Which people don't understand people, especially what you just said, you know, the owners are the last to get paid. It's the employees right. first and then it's the suppliers and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then it's you. Right. So right. it's just something that's, it kind of bugs me that, that people don't understand about small business, but, You're taking a lot of the burden. Yes, you get a lot of the benefits for sure, if it goes well.
1: Right, if it goes well. (laughs) But if it
0: doesn't go well, you take the entire risk. Right, I mean. If you're an employee, yeah, you get fired, but you can always find another job, hopefully. right? Right, if you're the owner, you're responsible for all the debt. You're responsible for everything that happened.
1: You know, they, these corporate shields and all this, but we're personally signing a loan on these $500,000 trucks. I mean, they're coming after me and my house and my family if everything doesn't go okay. Yeah. You know, it's just something constantly on your mind. And we're not in a bad situation or anything, but in the back of my mind, that is still always there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how do you... How do you manage, I mean, just give me a rough size for, I mean, I guess employees or, or crews that you have out there at any one time. Like how, how do you balance that, I guess, right? How, how many crews do you have out and how many people does it take to do one job? Just give me an idea of like the size of the companies.
1: Well, we currently have, we've got 10 people here now and we, we try to keep usually three people on a truck and basically you've got your driver. One person is mainly pulling the hose and one person is mainly cleaning up behind it. There is overspray. I mean, windowsills, sidewalks, you know, we're the finishing touch a lot of times when we don't get into the landscaping and stuff very much. So, you know, we make it all look pretty and great, I guess. I mean, (laughs) when we leave, I mean, that's what I try to stress as well. I mean, we are the finishing touch. Nobody comes really behind us. Yeah. I mean, there may be a few instances things are not finished, but you know, we are the final touch. And so we, we're mainly running two trucks. Yeah, I got three people on each truck. And we will break off into easier jobs. And that's kind of a, you know, there's some jobs easier than others. I mean, everybody knows that. And so when we can break off and we'll have one person running the truck and one person pulling the hose for that truck and usually why he's reloading if there is a little bit of cleanup and stuff. And this is some of your DOT projects and some of your playgrounds and stuff. There, there's not a whole lot of cleanup to do. I mean, you can knock it out in 10, 15 minutes or stuff like that. But generally in a playground, you're standing for the most part in a box, you know, refilling the the playground with uh, new wood chips or mm-hmm. a different certified material. And, you know, and that's when we break into that older truck we have. And, and then we have, my dad does mainly sales and some management. And he also works at the yard Loading people. I mean, we let the public come in here and sell stuff to landscapers and homeowners. And I mainly run the trucks and schedule on a lot of the management side. We have an office lady that's here part time. She does all our billing and payroll and, you know, accounts payable. I mean, we don't have two different, three different departments. I mean, she is head of payroll, head of accounts receivable. And we, we brought in uh, somebody else over the last couple of years. The, the mulch yard has gotten a fair amount busier and uh, I guess I'm going to thank COVID or hate COVID for it. But so we've gotten a guy, Um, he's part-time as well. He does deliveries for us on the mulch yard, loads people, answers the phone some. And that's about all of us right there. I still get on the truck occasionally. If guys are sick, drivers are sick. I, I'll still jump on a truck and run it. And I keep my license current all the time and, you know, same thing at the malt yard. I'll be sitting here in the office. Somebody will walk in to get loaded. I mean, I'm running to do that with them. Well, it you, makes the days go fast when you're when, when you're, there's not a whole lot of people around. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah, understood. And you're wearing, you know, you're wearing all those different hats, and it happens all the time in small business, right? It's you, you, If something needs to happen, you're there for it, right? Right. So, right. have you guys ever thought about doing landscaping?
1: We have. I just haven't seen exactly. I guess with no formal education and stuff or I don't know if I want to get into that as much. I mean, yes. I mean, maybe mow and blow guys, you know, no offense. There's tons of them. I mean, you know, I use them myself. I mean, you know, maybe something like that, but bidding projects and looking through plans. I mean, I just don't get the same thrill over that. And <laughs> I feel like there, there's a fair amount of work in that. I'm not going to knock on any of those guys. I mean, oh, yeah. sourcing plants. I mean, I think sourcing mulch from 10 different suppliers is hard. I mean, these guys are sourcing plants from 20, 30 suppliers.
0: Mm-hmm. All yeah. over the country.
1: Yeah. Right. And so I said, just, I just don't get into that as much. Yeah. And then I could use my guys for some of that. But then when we get busy again, I mean, I got to pull all my guys off. And My main thing I've been looking at lately is our mulch yard. I've seen how that's been doing. And we've been here for a long time and we're working out of a office trailer. I mean, is our, you know, home base. And I really want to where we could have a shop for the trucks to work on them. Some, I mean, You know, I try to save money where we can, and mechanics are expensive. No offense to them, but they are expensive. So stuff we can do by ourselves, and a lot of it's waiting, too. I mean, you'll need a hydraulic hose changed, and, you know, they will it'll be half a day before they get down here. Then they'll have to run to Raleigh to get a hose and come back down here again. And and the shops, I feel like, are even worse. They won't look at your truck for the first day you're there. You know, two days you're there. And, you know, it's like one little simple problem that if you could do yourself – you'd have it back up and running in a couple of hours.
0: Yeah. I've heard of, I've heard of companies and I've talked to the owners of companies who have the in-house mechanic and they say it's an absolute game changer. They say they never go back.
1: Right. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if I quite have enough equipment for that, but I've thought about part-time, yeah. you know, stuff like that, but I have no shop for them to really work out of. Mm-hmm. Something to build towards. Right. <laughs> right. It really, I mean, that's, and I've seen what the yard can do and I really think that's our next area of growth is getting a, a yard and possibly transportation fees are getting uh, higher and higher. I mean, we're probably going to get into a tractor trailer here soon to pick up our own mulch and deliver our own mulch. Again, you could be waiting. To, they're backed up. It might be two weeks before you can get a load sent down here Yeah. and well, the spring and the mulch season is just insane. Really? Insane, I mean, really. you go from nothing to uh, we were at two months this year backed up and we just couldn't get in jobs fast enough. And we're, I mean, we put out a lot of mulch for a small company. I mean, we're running about a thousand plus yards a week. I mean, somewhere in there, we try to get two loads a day with these trucks and, you know, they're 60 yard trucks. I mean, so that's about 600 yards a week per truck. And, you know, some jobs go easier or, you know, there's, you can run the truck higher. I mean, you can turn the truck down to, it'll take five hours to empty it, or you can turn it up high enough if you get on the right job where you can have it done in an hour. Mm-hmm. And we do get on jobs like that where we're running three or four trucks a day, you know, which really pushes the number up and, but they're not all like that. They're not.
0: So, so with the mulch yard, and this is something that's, that's interesting because I talked to okay. another landscaping company that's really considered adding a, basically what you would call like a garden center for their, uh-huh. for their plants and stuff like that. And I talked to him about, it. I said, you know, why, why would you consider doing that? That's kind of retail. Is that really what you want to get into? Cause his company was, I think it was 60% recurring maintenance contracts. And he designed it that way on purpose because, you know, I, I, just as you mentioned, right, it's, it's that guaranteed revenue coming in every month. And so I said, why would you be interested in doing that? And he said, the, mul- the garden center funnels folks in and creates more of a presence for the road. They come into our shop, they talk to our guys, and they get more contracts. So he said, I know guys who are doing garden centers in different parts of the state who once they developed and you know created their garden center, they got 30% more basically install and maintenance work, 30% right. more for their main business. So that's another huge benefit of having that, that garden center, right? Right. It's more customer relationships.
1: And we're definitely getting some of that out of ours as well. I mean, even the homeowners coming in to get a few yards, they realize, oh man, I've been going back and forth. I'm on 30 yards now. And we kind of tell them, well, you know, after 20 yards, we can come and, so they know next year and we do get calls like that. And yeah. uh, so it's at the same time, not exactly what I'm trying to get into, but it's kind of the same idea there. And our mulch yard started from somewhere to stage our trucks. I mean, we, we got done with a job that was supposed to be used 40 yards and we ended up using 30 yards. Mm-hmm. So now what am I going to do is this extra 10 yards of mulch, you know, so it's somewhere to clean out. And, you know, it grew from there. Power mulch system started off beside the Smithfield post office. We just parked the trucks there. And, you know, we were always, a lot of our suppliers were working with us back then. If we needed to clean out a truck and switch materials, mm-hmm. you know, they'd let us. And half the time it was their material. So, I mean, they didn't really mind. I mean, but we, we really knew we needed somewhere to, you know, do a little bit more.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's that's a good potential for growth in the future, I guess. This show is brought to you by Midstreet Mergers and Acquisitions, a business intermediary based out of Raleigh, North Carolina, that specializes in selling businesses generating $1 to $25 million in revenue throughout the Southeast. If you own a business and are considering an exit, check out their website and contact them at midstreet.com. That's M-I-D street.com. Now back to the show. So talk to me about the employees of the business and just... You know, one thing I've commonly heard is just that labor is really hard to come by, especially today with all this, you know, with what happened with COVID and just kind of different work visas and things. For you guys, how have you found success with hiring good employees who are reliable and, and also managing them and managing them while you're a, a business owner who sometimes goes out in the field? You know, how do you balance all of that? And how do you find good people?
1: I'll say I've been really lucky in that aspect. All of our drivers, trained up from nothing you know they started on the end of the hose or pulling the hose blowing things off and saw there was an opportunity and even the old company and this company you know we paid for all their license fees all their medical reviews you know took them out got their permit let them drive with me or there was another one or two that back then that they would drive with that learn the truck and you know kind of You know, we had a CDL school, basically. Wow. And because we found that a lot of drivers we've hired in the past have, they're so used to driving. And this is not just a driving job. I mean, it's about, you know, we've tried to figure it out, but we're somewhere in the 50% driving versus blowing mulch actually working. And so we've had a lot more luck with people that have come up, they're used to working and the driving's a plus, their pay goes up a fair amount. They get more responsibility. I mean, now they're responsible for the jobs. You know, I, I'm talking to them at the end of the day. And I talk to everybody. I mean, let's say we're a small company. I know everybody that works here. I know half their families. But, you know, they know that this is their responsibility and at the end of the day. I mean, they're the ones checking over the job when they get finished. and So it's giving them something. You know, and back to me being lucky is my, my two main drivers have been with me for about over 10 years now. And, you know, so I really count on them a lot. You know, I I do. And I've had another one that I've trained recently and I'm hoping to get him out on a truck on his own before too long, or at least a backup again.
0: So talk to me practically about the dynamic with you training them and how do you manage them and lead? Is it, is it more of a, like a friend or is it more of a you know, listen, I own this company and I want you to succeed too. Here's how it's going to go. Like what's, I guess, the attitude that you take and, and how do you continue to do that as you get new employees in?
1: Both. I mean, you've got to see it from both sides. I mean, I am kind of their friend at this point. I said, you know, they are part of my family. But at the end of the day, I mean, I've got a company to run. You know, if there's issues with it, you've got to be responsible for that. You've got to own up to it. I mean, without that, I mean, you might as well be pulling the hose and doing something else. I mean, you either want to take a lead and make more and, you know, and I'm constantly working on pushing up their pay the best I can. But I tell them at the same point, you know, our prices have to go up or we have to get more mulch out to make this same thing where you'll make more money. And, you know, that's always a battle. I mean, I want them to make the moon, but I. I want to make the moon, too. I'm not making it either. I mean, I'm not doing bad by any means, but, you know, there's a balance there. I mean, I've seen some of their checks. I mean, with overtime, they're making more than I am. I mean, (laughs) you know, back to that spring, I mean, it's not rare for us to do a 60-hour week. This time of year, I mean, you know, sometimes it's hard to pull a 40-hour week. And then we try to tell them to save and stuff like that, but it doesn't always work like that. It doesn't. We in the winter when it's really slow and back to keeping employees. I mean, I've got to give them a check. I mean, we're paying them, you know, I'll bring them in to do some stuff around the yard. I mean, mm-hmm. that we can, but other than that, I've still let them get a check. I'm not going to say I'm getting them 40 hours, but I try to make sure they're in the 30 hour mark. I yeah. mean,
0: it's interesting deal. That's one of the biggest challenges with, with a seasonal business, not that your business is hundred percent seasonal, but it definitely has some seasonality to it. Right.
1: Oh, it really is. I mean, It really is really, you know, the winter and spring, summer, the fall just starts getting slower Mm -hmm. and slower. And we're still doing stuff in the fall and, you know, we're getting a lot of our landscapers, the homeowners are cutting about a fourth. I mean, people mulching and, you know, but some of the new houses being built, we're doing some of those, but a lot of the houses you have are, I'm not going to say spec houses, but getting to that 20 yards, it's not always easy. Yeah. I mean, you're looking for commercial properties. But a lot of them won it back in the spring again.
0: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. talk to me about the, so you just said you're looking for commercial customers. And we talked, we kind of referenced throughout the the podcast so far about recurring, this kind of recurring element of revenue. How are you building new business? How do you get, like, if you guys need to get new business, What what's your process for that? You know, are you, do you have a marketing program that you have? Are you, is it really just relationships based and how does that work?
1: A lot of it is relationships. I mean, I feel like if you treat people good, I mean, they're going to come back to you. And at the same time, they're going to give your name out. And we do run some ads on Google and stuff like that. I mean, nothing too crazy. I just can't see spending $1,000 a month for these clicks and stuff. I'm just, am I getting $1,000 a month out of this? Or, you know, I keep it pretty low all in all. And I know there's all the analytics, but seeing the money come back in after spending that thousand dollars a month, Mm -hmm. you know, the website, I mean, we're definitely getting something there. My website's out of date again. That's one of my projects this winter is getting it completely revamped again. I mean, I'm finally, I think going to go to somewhere that's actively managing it all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I hate spending the money like that, but just to try and keep it up to date and current. Yeah. Well,
0: if you need a guy, I know
1: some guys. <laughs> <laughs> I got, yeah, I might be calling yeah. you. I, mean, yeah, I, I really, I know it's out of date. It's yeah. hard keeping that stuff and SEO and yeah. everything. I mean, you know, you try to do your best and then, you know, a year later, it's it's out of date again. But it's and mine's so a mess problem. right now. Really? It is so important. <laughs> Mine is, mine's horrible right now. I'm really ashamed <laughs> of it. The basic design is nice, but all the contact info and everything is a mess. Yeah. I mean, I've got my personal email address up there right now because my contact forms are down uh-huh. <laughs> and it's bringing in a ton of spam and everything. It's yeah. a mess, but I'm doing so many other things. We're just getting out of the spring and getting to our slower time. I just did not have time. I mean, yeah, when you're two months out, I mean, I just could not even think about it. I just need to make sure the most was getting out here every single day. I mean, the yeah. guys were ready. The trucks were ready.
0: Well and, and Jeff this is something just just real quick aside like I hear this all the time from folks I went to school with or people I kind of grew up with you know I'd love to be a, I'm an entrepreneur at heart I'd love to be an entrepreneur I want to be a business owner but they don't realize really what that means a lot of people they really don't understand what that means that means if you have to get on the truck you're getting on the truck that means if you're if you don't have someone to do payroll, you're doing the payroll for this month, or you know all of those different tasks and things that you have to get done. The website, you know, maybe you got to put that into your own hands this month, or you got to find someone who's going to do it. Whatever. There's so many responsibilities that you take on when you own a company like yours, or or just any any small business, right? And people don't people think that it's going to be sort of this like passive income. Oh, I'm just going to be an owner. I'm just going to own it, and then I'll have the employees do all the work. <laughs>
1: right. That's not yeah, right. It could not work like that. I mean, yeah. And maybe one day we'll get there. I mean, but right there, we're, we're far from there. I yeah. mean, the profit we're pulling in is paying my salary and paying my dad's salary. I mean, but we're both actively doing it to get away with it. We're going to have to pass on those two salaries. And I'm not saying there's not money at the end of the year, but I don't know if I could necessarily live on it. We're very funny about pulling money out because I never want to bring in my own money. So we try to keep a fair amount of money in the bank. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in hard times, I'm not looking at me and my dad. Hey, you got 20,000 to throw in this month for payroll. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just it's hard to think about it like that. But that's the honest truth. I mean, you know,
0: I think people need to hear that. Because that's you know you look online at social media YouTube whatever that's not the conversation. The conversation is start your own business. You you're gonna do great. Like you got know, to you got to hustle and grind and you know all this stuff, right? It it's it's real, man. It's it's real life.
1: It really is. And then trying to get your your own family time. I had a daughter almost three years ago. I, I want to be there for her. I mean, you know, I make it a point to try. You know, I'm not there every morning, but or. Every morning to take her to school, but you know, I try to take her to daycare every morning. I try to be off in time to pick her up from work or pick her up from daycare. You know, that doesn't always work. I'll be calling my wife last minute. Oh, traffic is pain. I've been rushing for the last two hours. I can't make it back here, or I need to leave early this morning to go with the guys to show my job that you know. Mm-hmm. Said so the guys are good, but at the same time, I'm the one that sold the job. I'm the one that knows what's going on. I mean, yep. for the bigger jobs especially, I need to be there for the beginning. We walk through and talk about things and you know, introduce people and, you know, all that. Is that
0: for the client? Is that for the customer or more for your guys?
1: Both. You know, I want to show the client, you've dealt with me, I'm not going anywhere. And at the same time, it's going for the guys. The client's already half told me. So I already know what's kind of going on. I mean, Mm -hmm. sometimes the client's not there, you know, but I went and measured the job or sold the job. And for the most part, like our, our residential stuff, I mean, we really don't go out to their houses to measure anything. We kind of show them and tell them how to measure their own house and see if we're a fit. And then we price, you know, we figure out how many yards cubic yards they need and we'll give them a price from there and stuff like that. I can send the drivers to, you know, and then, cause I've never seen it. I just tell them, I haven't seen this job. People seem like such and such. I mean, they're nice. I mean, they've told me they've got a big slope in the back. That's their main concern, but, they will be there to meet you when you get there. And if they're not there, I always try to make sure they're on the phone with them and, you know, they can talk them through it or smartphones have helped a lot now. I mean, you not can sure. FaceTime or zoom or cruise and yep. right. And everything, you know, even the guys, I mean, now they're sending me videos or we're doing stuff, you know, Hey, did you see this when you looked at it? And, mm-hmm. Oh yes, I did see that. This is what you need to do here. Or, you know, they can do the same thing with a customer a lot of times.
0: Yeah. There's a software, um, there's a really good software, it's called Company Cam. Have you heard of that mm-hmm. one? It's basically so it's basically what you just talked about. Your employees can take, like if you had a project manager or something, they can just they can take a photo or take videos of the site and it automatically shows you basically like it'll be like job x right job 23. Right. and it'll have all the photos and they can put comments and highlight certain areas and ask questions and stuff it's it, it's changing the world man it's it's go, it's absolutely crazy what they can do now i know i know an owner of a moving and storage company who uh-huh. some of his jobs because they they move people all around right and they're based in north carolina but they move people down to florida up to new york sometimes he'll just go on a zoom call and they'll just take their phone and just walk around and just say and he'll be like, okay, move into that other room for me. And he'll kind of take some notes and say, and he basically, mm-hmm. he bids, he estimates the price right then and there. He just takes right. his notepad out and just prices it out
1: <laughs> just from zoom. Right. No, I, you know, it's not the same as how we do it, but I mean, some of it is, I mean, getting those estimates, uh, we were having so much problems going to some houses that would need five yards of mulch and I'm not knocking the homeowner. Yeah. That's a fair amount of mulch to you. But to me, it, it's nothing. I can't even send a truck there. And I spent an yeah. hour driving up to Raleigh to go look at your house. Yeah, And people don't understand when they, what do you mean? You, you can't come give me an estimate. And I try to explain to them, I'm, I'm really sorry, but unless I can, and I pull up some stuff on maps and stuff, I can generally get a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. And there's even the measurement tools on maps. You know, I'm using a lot of the free stuff as much as I can. Google Absolutely. Maps, I send those links all the time. I mean, back to the FaceTime and stuff. And I do like the idea of what you're talking about. I mean, I could track it a little bit better, but. It's yeah, something um, for the
0: future to think about, maybe. I don't know. I've heard of it being more oh, yes. useful. But I mean, at the same time, your guys can just text you a photo, right? You don't have to right. have that system. So going back to kind of the family balance and stuff like that, is that the biggest challenge for the business? What's the hardest part
1: about owning the business? I guess just I'm want. i a people pleaser. I want to make sure everybody's happy at the end of the day, including my guys and my customers and my wife and my daughter. I mean, other than that, I mean, there's problems you'll get every single day. You're just going to have to figure out which ones are really important. I mean, it might be really important to one of your guys. I mean, so I try to help him out as much. But to me, no, that thing can wait a couple of days. You know, we're going to get it fixed. We're going to figure it out. But I cannot deal with that today. I mean, it's balancing some of the main issues from the not so important issues. I guess one of the hardest parts for me is figuring out what to do next. I'm pretty happy where we're at. But everybody says, if you're not growing, you know, there's something wrong with you. And I just making the choices of what to spend money on and what to get more debt with. And Mm -hmm. those are some of my hardest parts of the work. You know, getting a website—you just paid five thousand dollars and you don't like it, and you've already given the guy the check, and the guy's not really going to do anything else to it. It's being able to trust. I mean, people. I mean, just making those those hard financial decisions—that's probably the hardest part to me. Mm. I
0: mean, that's—I once heard from one of my friends that that's you know that's really the bottom line for being successful. At least that's what he thinks. It's just you know one of the keys is being able to make difficult decisions, just in general, like. You're just constantly like as an owner, you're just constantly faced with decisions every day and people are throwing problems at you from all kinds of different angles and you have to make decisions, you know, yes or no, or that we're doing this or we're doing this and it determines your future and you have to make a million of those decisions as an owner and you have to get really good at making them and you're going to make a lot of bad ones, but kind of just is what it is. And hopefully you make good ones enough to balance out the bad ones, <laughs> right? Yeah, but It's just, it's kind of an inherent problem. It just is what it is.
1: And it gets easier with time. I'll kind of say that. I mean, at least from running, you know, day-to-day operations. I mean, you've, you've had this happen before and what do we do? I mean, you go back and a lot of times they'll be looking at me and they're like, what are we going to do? And I'll say, just, we need to sit back a second and we really need to think about this. We need to take 10, 15. I mean, sometimes a day, you know, if the truck breaks, you know, get a flat tire. I mean, what's the best course of action here? I've, I have learned rushing into things a lot of times is, is not been good. It's had a bad outcome. If I took an extra 15 minutes to think about it or research a little bit more, I'll be sitting there tinkering in my phone for 15 minutes on the truck. I mean, trying to figure out who's close and calling people. Can you do it now? Or are you going to be here in three hours? Have I got a chance to finish in this job today? Or am I going to have to call the customer and, you know, explain to them that something's happened or, or, mm-hmm. Even employees having to leave. I mean, a lot of times now we're spending a support truck, the driver will be on the the mulch truck and then we'll send a, a pickup or something with them. But in the beginning, you know, they were all in the truck. If somebody got sick or hurt, I mean, we had to figure out how to get them, you know, back. I had to run or, you know, figuring out how to get them back or get them where they needed to be. And I guess COVID kind of did a lot with that because, you know, three people in a mulch truck. I mean, we we did buy the large cab trucks, but I mean, <laughs> there was no way to do six feet there. No, uh, no. And it scared the mess out of me. I was, you know, if we're really told to shut down and stuff here, wh- what are we going to do? I mean, this is all I know. This is all we have. I mean, you know, I've got my wife, my family, my guys, I mean, you know, and luckily we were deemed, deemed essential and we were able to keep running, but, at the same time, I'm trying to make all of them feel as comfortable as possible and you know safe. I mean, the same thing with the malt shard. We were, you know, changed to outside sales and stuff. We weren't allowing people in the office. I mean, we were having to figure all that out. You know, at the end of the day, I need to keep things going and mm-hmm. keep everybody feel okay about how it's going. You know, luckily with that, I think we've had one person so far with COVID. I mean, we've all been tested to have half a dozen times at this point. I mean. I've tried to do my best. I mean, I personally believe in the vaccine. I mean, I've got a few of my guys have gotten a few that just will not get it. I mean, I've offered incentives to get it and mm. I just, I can't incentivize enough. I mean, mm. where they feel like they really want to get it. Interesting.
0: So that's, that's kind of the hardest part about the business. What's the best part of the business? What's your, what's your favorite part of the business of owning the company and just
1: being the owner back to those decisions, making my own decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Blessing and <a> curse. <laughs> It is it is I mean, you know being able to figure out taking my own time off and you know making it for special things at daycare or stuff for my daughter or taking my wife out to lunch occasionally when we can both figure it out ourselves and not asking to ask permission or you know I, I don't get a whole lot of time off in general. I mean, but you know, I do make time and we take a couple vacations, but so it's the blessing and the curse. I mean, those decisions I mean, you know being in control, I guess. Mm-hmm. you know there was decisions the old owner made that i was to me they were worst decisions he could ever make but i had to follow him i mean i did not believe in it he'd want to you know and he was a great guy i mean he grew this company we wouldn't be where we were today but i just i didn't always agree with what he was telling us to do you know good or bad but yeah. he, he did get us where we are our names stayed good through the end of it i mean we still kept you know i said from the beginning we've had customers go all the way back to the start and they're wow. still calling us
0: what advice would you have for someone who is a small business owner, maybe they're smaller than you guys or is looking to get into small business? What advice would you give them based on the years you've owned the company and your your time with the business?
1: I guess try it out you know do as best you can to you know do your research and see if this is really what's going to be good for you if you really feel like it's going to work. everybody can say it's an easy niche to get into, but Not until you really know, I mean, what's going on there. You know, it's like even people we hire, I try to get most people. I mean, if they, if I think they're going to do decent and stuff, the first thing I do is, you know, maybe not right or wrong. I'll say, I'll pay you cash for the next couple of days. Why don't you try it out, see if you like it? You know, I try to see if the guys, if they fit in that, in the group. I mean, as I said, you're with these guys all the time. I mean, sometimes longer than you are at your home. Um, I mean, when you're doing twelve-hour days, I mean, stuff like that. I mean, I want them to fit in, everybody get along. I mean, you know, these are grown men, but sometimes we can be women. I mean, we do not always get along. I mean, back to research. I mean, because you're you're sinking a lot of it into it. Unless you're getting into stuff with like no overhead or anything, or you can start up with nothing. I mean, you're putting. You know, if you could start it part time, I, I would say go through that way. I mean, and then if you feel like you've got a good grasp on everything and things are going well and you can take it to the next level, do that. But if you're not and you've got to go all in or nothing, you better have done your research. I mean, or, you know, and some people do have a lot of backing. I mean, they can. we didn't have that kind of backing. We had enough capital. If we didn't make it the first year, we were done. Yeah. I mean, but at least we had the experience. We knew what was going on when we got really into it. The old owner. I mean, I saw him lend the company seventy five, a hundred thousand dollars at a time, and I'm just like, "How are you doing this?" I mean, that's
0: crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think again, man. I think people need to hear this because it's it's a really, you know, what you're doing is really remarkable. You're you're employing ten people, and you know what jobs would they have if they weren't working for you, and and what kind of culture or environment would they be working in? They probably wouldn't have the same level of happiness with the guys that they work with. I'm sure that your crews. I mean, you know. Obviously, things happen, whatever, but it seems like they get along pretty well with each other, right? They've been doing this for so long. So, right. you know, it's not small business is not perfect, but it's very, very useful, very valuable, and it, it and it matters, you know? And I feel like a lot of times today, especially in the media and stuff, it, people kind of gloss over folks like you, quite frankly, folks that own a small business, they employ 10 to 15, 20, 100 people and you know they make a difference in their community they provide a valuable service but you know instead we we choose to talk about you know like amazon <laughs> right How terrible businesses you know, it's like you know they're not paying any taxes sort of thing it's like man you you don't that may be true for some of those people at the higher levels, but I mean, most of the people who own businesses that I know are, are in that small business category and they're they're not malicious in that same, they're, they're not malicious. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's Right.
1: No, because the, right. the big companies, it's all about the bottom line. And yes, it is about the bottom line to us, but it, I mean, it, it's not at the same point. I mean, that's it. I do care. I mean, I care about my customers. I care about my employees. It's more than the numbers. It is. It really is. And I, I try to remind myself of that. I mean, because I see everybody gets stuck into the numbers. I mean, yes, you've got to make a profit, but you don't have to squeeze every daggone penny mm-hmm. out of everything. I mean, yeah,
0: I don't know. That makes sense. So last question, man, do you have your like kind of a happiest memory? What's your happiest memory with Power Mulch? And what are you excited for the company to be doing in the future as you guys grow?
1: I think one of our happiest memories with Power Mulch was actually getting a new truck. We'd made it that far. I mean, we paid off the initial company debt. I mean, we wanted to do that first. And, you know, we had enough money to make a down payment on this half million dollar truck and take it on. I mean, I, I really felt like I was getting somewhere then. And going into the next truck, I, I, you know, we fought and fought to get that other truck. I, I didn't want to get in more debt. I felt really good. We paid off one truck, and we were getting another truck in two years. And it hurt. I mean, you've collected this money in the bank. You've sweated, and <laughs> you've worked your heart out for it. But at the same time, you would gotten there. And going forward, you know, one way or another, we're we're going to revamp our yard. We don't know if we're exactly moving it yet or we've recently purchased a piece of land and we'd like where we're at but I don't I'm, you know nothing against our owner he, he hasn't responded for prior you know letting us purchase the land and we're kind of we need a, a bigger piece of land so we're, we're you know we might be trying one more time and see and if not we're going to be going and starting over at a whole new mulch yard and, you know a shop and a building and possibly getting into some other stuff. I mean, whether it be firewood or trees or plants, or I'm just not exactly sure yet. We're going to be looking at that, but I've got to get the yard situated first, yeah. you know, maybe, baby steps.
0: maybe firewood and Christmas trees could help balance out that, that revenue, right? Something like that.
1: Right. I mean, cause I'm seeing the malt shard do better and I'm not going to say it's easier money, but I'm not sending a half million dollar truck waiting mm-hmm. for breakdown guys being two hours away. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say we're never going to grow that anymore, but I just see such a lull in the, in the winter. And we've had some good DOT contracts that's kept us moving, but at the same time, the weather can play a big part. I mean, we had a big job last, last year. We were doing some pretty big stuff, and we couldn't get off the side of the road. The truck was sinking. Every time we pulled off something, that wasn't pavement. And the hose makes it nice, but if you can't pull off the side of the highway and be safe, then you still can't work and that's the only jobs you had right there. So I said, you know, I'm not saying we won't grow that some more, but you know, it's just figuring out some of that, but the the yard, I feel like we could get into some of that christmas trees, pumpkins, firewood or you know, maybe plants and or possibly like shovels and rakes and we we really don't sell any of that here now or tarps, to tarp the material down. We're, mm-hmm. You know, they're always asking, we're we're loaning or if we've got it or you know, sorry, you're going to have to go down the street. And then you're wondering, are they going to come back? Mm-hmm. Come back. Exactly. You know, I, you know, once they're here, I know my dad used to be a car salesman as well. and You want to sell what's on the lot. You want to sell what you can see, and, you Definitely. know, ordering stuff. You don't know if they're going to come back or not. I mean. Yeah. You don't um, want to send them away for any reason. Right. Right. I'm kind of excited. My, my wife's going to be joining me come the first of the year. My dad's getting older. He's, you know, he'll probably still be here for a long time, but I just, I want to give him the opportunity. He's worked a good life. He provided for us. He was in the military for 20 years, tried a couple other things and been almost at this for 20 years. I mean, he's worked all his life. I mean, I want to let him feel like he can retire and everybody will be okay with it. And so my wife's very smart, probably smarter than I am, especially book smart. And so I'm excited about her coming on board and seeing where we can take it kind of together and you know from there we're just gonna have to figure it out more i can't tell you i mean it's kind of day at a time i mean i have one master plan to get a, a new malt yard up and running by 2023 that, that is my current goal and you we'll go. go from there i mean
0: speak it into existence
1: chef <laughs> well, that's right that's if you keep talking about it keep everybody i mean
0: yeah
1: my dad's one of those people he, he hasn't believed in his you know family always working with you even though we work together but spouses i guess especially and you know i've tried to throw examples and i I keep putting it in front of them. I mean, she's coming on board whether you like it or not. I mean, you know, and if it doesn't work, we're going to give it a good year and it might not work, but you won't know until you try. Hmm. You true. know, and that's a lot of stuff too. I mean, you won't know until you try. That's good advice.
0: And, and also just, I guess, being able to fail because of that, like just, just what you just said, right? She's going to come on in for a year. And if she doesn't work out, then we'll, we'll figure things out, but we're going to try it.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, and that goes to the same thing with a lot of business just, be careful. I mean, you know, just be careful. I mean, depending on how big of stuff you're getting into, I mean, I hate for anybody to lose everything. I mean, including myself or anybody else.
0: Well, very good, Jeff. I, I appreciate the time, man. I really do. How can people support Power Mulch and, and support what you guys are doing?
1: Call us. <laughs> Our website. Let me show you how we try and service people. I mean, you know, I want to be there for you. I want to keep coming back. I mean, I've got some great relationships out of the time. I mean, but you know, you won't know until you try. And I, even me, I mean, I'm scared calling contractors at times, you know, I have no idea who you are, but you just got to give them a chance. I mean, see how you feel about it. You know, it's back to the, the website and, you know, all sorts of stuff. I'm about to get in it with a mulch yard and you know, trusting a contractor, build my dream. Just you know, our website is up and running. It's not the best in the world. <laughs> it does have some good examples. I'm locked out of Facebook right now, but I do have a bunch of videos and pictures on there. And, you know, my reviews, none of them are really fake or anything. I haven't paid, I mean, for any of them. I mean, you know, I, I hope to let that speak for itself. I mean, I do. And spring, I'm just, I'm going to do my best to be there for you, but it's extremely busy. (laughs) (laughs) Very good, Jeff.
0: I appreciate it, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining me on the show.
1: Yes, sir. I've had a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. you. All right.
0: This episode of Owner Operated is sponsored by On Top's Roofing, a family-owned and operated business servicing the Triangle area of North Carolina since 1991. With a long-standing commitment to quality work and customer service, OnTops has grown to be recognized as one of the most respected roofing contractors in the triangle. They offer roofing work, window replacements, siding replacements, and gutter installation services. Check them out at OnTopsRoofing.com. That's OnTopsRoofing.com. Thank you for listening to Owner Operated, conversations with small business millionaires. Be sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter at jonapalone.com, where I share the takeaways from each episode and share any resources or tips I find valuable. And if you like the episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It really does help the show grow. And send it to a friend that you think would benefit from it. Thanks so much.